IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Our guest is a man for all seasons, including the off-season. It's IndyCar president Jay Fry, the man who's in charge of all aspects of IndyCar with a focus on competition. Since joining IndyCar in 2013, Fry played a key role in turning around the attitude and the trajectory of the series. He was successful in unifying the paddock, creating a new racing platform with the current car-engine combination, and preparing for IndyCar's next big step, a new chassis with a hybrid-assist engine that will continue to feature an internal combustion power plant. Fry, a former college football player at the University of Missouri, isn't afraid to tackle any challenge and has helped bring some positivity to IndyCar. I caught up with Fry recently to reflect on a successful 2021 season and look toward the future in 2022 and the new car in 2023 in this in-depth but fast-paced interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the president of IndyCar, Jay Fry. Here's a man that doesn't have an off-season. In fact, it's one of the busiest times of the year. Jay what has been on your project list since the final race of the season, the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach on September 26th? Well, it's funny. We get asked that all the time. You know, what, what do you do in your off season? And actually, the busiest time of the year is probably from uh, the checker flag, the last race of the season, so Long Beach, to um, up until right about Christmas time. Um, this is a time of year we um, have team manager, driver, owner meetings. There's a lot of follow-up. There's a lot of you know, things that we activate or engage for the um, following season, um, the next season, and then, you know, into the future too. So it's a active time, um, but it's also a really good time to reconnect with everybody. And, um, you know, again, it's a great paddock-wide effort. And this is when we make all that stuff happen. So, uh, so far, so good. IndyCar is getting ready to unveil a new car and engine combinations for 2023. In 2022, it will be a very busy year in terms of testing both the new car and the new engine. Where do things stand on that project right now? Um, all, you know, full speed ahead. Everything's going really, um, really well. Uh, Chevrolet and Honda have both been doing a great job. Um, you know, one of the things with the car, we, we, we talk about a new car for the, for the initial project. It's really not a new car. What it is, it's, it's what the car needs uh, to take the new 2.4 liter um, twin turbo V6 engine. So that's kind of the, the first steps or the first stages of what we're doing. So we're going through that process now. Um, like you mentioned, there'll be a lot of um, testing, you know, for the new engine and the hybrid system um, in the 2022 season to get ready for 2023. And really in regards to the hybrid too, we've not um, to date, as you know, we've not really announced our plan except or, or uh, we've announced or doing the hybrid program 
Um, we haven't really announced exactly what it is. Uh, we should hopefully be able to do that pretty soon. We think the fans will be pretty excited about it. It's, it's uh, a pretty cool technology. It's lightweight. It's got a lot of horsepower. Uh, we'll remain, you know, fast and loud, you know, like we have been. Um, but I think the fans will be interested to see how it works and, and, and all the capabilities that it has. Last month, you did a test where you simulated both the additional power of the new engine and the extra weight of the car with the hybrid system to replicate how the car will handle. What did you learn from that test? Uh, it was good. Um, there, there really wasn't a huge, uh, the drivers uh, did, did a great job. There was some talk about, you know, it being the wheel being heavier, that type of thing. But, you know, brakes, PFC guys do a great job. The brakes seemed good. Um, you know, it, there was really, I guess, no surprises, and it probably went even better than we anticipated. Um, again, there's there's some things that we have uh, that we're continuing to work on with weight, weight savings, that type of thing, to 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 do what we can to mitigate the the new system. Um, so we're not done with that, um, but so far so good in the testing we've had. How difficult is it in your position where you want great racing, you want close racing, but you want safe racing and you want fast racing? To put all of those ingredients together can be difficult. What is the challenge to hit on all of those different ingredients? Well, I think in 2021, um, we saw all that, right? That, that um, We saw great racing. Um, you know, there were some uh, record numbers of passes in, in numerous events, you know, record numbers of lead changes in numerous events, um, you know, very close side by side racing. Um, our drivers are spectacular. They're, you know, up on it from the minute the green flag falls. So that's really good. Uh, we also saw, you know, a few times where the aero screen came into play, um, did exactly what we intended it to do and, you know, had a positive outcome if it wasn't there. You know, we're not sure what would have happened. You can't speculate, but it uh, certainly did its job in a big way. So we think we, you know, safety is an evolution. It's something that's ongoing. It's something that we work on every day. Um, so we're certainly not done in that aspect. Um, great racing. The racing product is also something that we work on every day. And if, you, you know, like you mentioned a little bit ago, um, we've tested things already for 2023, you know, and we tested um, a year ago, you know, a, a push to pass type you know, scenario, what that looks like at the speedway, you know, so there's, there's things that we're, we're constantly working on to make the racing product better to make it, uh, you know, to keep the entertainment level way up for the fans. Um, you know, and again, that's something that's, uh, it's an ongoing evolution. Several drivers said the steering wheel felt heavier. Will there be extra weight with the hybrid system? Yeah, well, the, the hybrid certainly adds weight and we've done, a lot of different things when you think of car updates uh, that will, will lighten things up throughout the car. That's what I mentioned earlier. We're, we're certainly not done in any way. There's, there's other things we're working on to try to lighten it up even more. Um, you know, weight, you know, is something that we always work on. The cars uh, with the aero screen, with the hybrid system, you know, there's been some weight that's been added to it the last few years. Um, so that's, you know, what's the next evolution or revolution of the car? How do we get it lighter? How do we make it um you know, race as well as it does. But again, so far, so good. There's been no surprises. It's something that we are continuing to work on. There is a lot of hope and optimism with the car count and the growth of the grid. What do you see the car count being in 2022 as new entries are added, but some operations such as Team Penske contract from four entries to three cars as they move into sports car racing? Well, it's, it's been an amazing, you know, six, seven, eight years, I think, in that car count regard. And I think uh, car count is definitely a, an overall indicator of the health of the series. 
um, you know, one time we had 18 to 20 and it was, you know, a couple years later, 20 to 22. Then it was, you know, you know, this past year, 24, we had 28 at some events, which is the most we've had in a decade. Um, and the growth continues, you know, um, I think next year will be in the, you know, 26, 27 range for full-time entries, which again is, you know, magnificent. If you think over the last, again, five, six, seven years, um, you know, how the, how it is growing. It's been a great paddock wide effort. We look back at the, you know, when we come up with the five-year plan in 16 and 17 pros of kids and 18, we had the AK 18 come out. Um, there's been a, you know, a plan in the past. Um, that plan and path now goes through, you know, 26, 28, something like that in that range. So the, the teams are, you know, certainly part of the process. The manufacturers are part of the process. They've all been have great, um, input and, and, and that's, you know, part of the reason I think we've had the growth. Um, but right now everybody knows, you know, pretty much where we're going and what we're doing. We don't want to obsolete parts and pieces, that type of thing. So when we do have, uh, capital needed and, and different things going on with the car or with you know, that the teams are aware of it, you know, at least, you know, 18 to 24 months in advance. Will you ever be in a position where you have more cars than you have pit boxes and pit lane and may have to send some entries home without making the race? Well, again, we've all, I mean, again, I mentioned it's a you know, paddock wide effort. We've all worked very hard to get it to this point as we are growing. Um, certainly that would be a last resort. We have no intention of sending any cars home. Um, there's a, a few venues that we're already working with or on, you know, about, uh, expanding the capacity of pit road. Uh, we think we can get it done. So, you know, again, our intention is not to send anybody home. With new teams trying to get off the ground and attract sponsors, you don't want to thwart that effort. Some fans may like to see it from a competitive level, but from a business standpoint, is it important for those extra entries to get strong and viable and allowed to compete in the race? Well, yes, absolutely. And one of the things we ask our teams to do is even if they're, you know, new teams are existing teams that are going to run an extra entry. Um, they, you know, they communicate with us all the time about what venues they're anticipating going. So, um, you know, we, you know, this is in addition to the full-time cars, obviously. Um, so we have a pretty good idea, you know, early in the year, what venues that we might end up having trouble on. So we work with the teams and the promoter partners who are great um, about seeing what we can do about, you know, again, expanding the capacity of pit road, but also times, you know, you can talk to that team and say, you know, we've, there, there's a, there's a lot of cars coming to this event. Could you go to the next one or another one, that type of thing. So and, and oftentimes they can, and they appreciate us letting it, you know, them know that there's that many cars coming. So it's just, again, it's a good problem to have, um, you know, we just got to manage through it and, and we continue to manage through it with our teams. A lot of great things happened in 2021, including the fans allowed to return to the track. We were all happy to see that there were a lot of different winners, including four drivers under the age of 24 that won at least one race this past season. Your champion is only 24 years old, Alex Palo of Spain. Throw in 22 year old Pato award of Mexico who was fighting for the championship all the way until the last race of the season. Then there was 21-year-old Colton Hurd of the United States and 20-year-old Renus VK of the Netherlands who won a race this year at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. When you see those four drivers winning races at their ages, how much hope does that give you for the future of IndyCar? Yes, and, and I think, too, what's really cool right now is you, know, you look at the veterans that are, you know, still out there that are very competitive and, and you know, competing at a high level too right now. So 
there's this, you know, if you're one of the, the young drivers you just mentioned, I mean, how cool is it to be competing against, you know, a Scott Dixon, who's one of the all-time greats, and just still, you know, it, very, very, very good, as good as he's ever been, you know, that type of thing. So um, the veteran guys are, are huge in the regard with the younger drivers. You know, they, they teach them a lot of things about what's ex- expe- expected of an IndyCar driver from, you know, an on-track perspective to an off-track perspective. So it's it's a, it's a really great to see um, the depth that we currently have, you know, from a veteran perspective and the young driver perspective. One of the, you know, again, like you just mentioned, we all have these data points and stats and that type of thing. But last year, forty um, percent of the field won a race. You know, forty percent of the full-time field won a race. To me, that's spectacular. And it could have easily been fifty or sixty percent. You know, there, there were a handful of you know teams and drivers that you would have anticipated winning a race that didn't. So you add that all up, it's it's pretty amazing how competitive this series is and um, the depth of the field that we currently have. You have a few more younger drivers joining the series next season, such as 20-year-old Christian Lungard of Denmark joining Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. What's it like to see the pipeline of young drivers from Europe coming over to compete in IndyCar racing? Well, I think all the, you know, if you just look at what we talked about uh, with growth and entries and that type of thing, well, that, this is part of that too, right? I mean, there, there's so many um, talented race car drivers that want to come run IndyCars. So that's created you know, this an even more broad and enhanced competition. And, and, and um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's a really good time to be in the series. It's amazing to see the, the younger drivers coming up. It's amazing to see what the veteran drivers continue to do. And, you know, it's, it's just the, the races are immensely competitive. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. 
Indy Lights drivers Devlin DeFrancesco is going to have a full-time ride at Andretti Autosport, and Kyle Kirkwood will join A.J. Foyt Racing next year. How do you balance that out with two of your rookies from 2020 were veteran drivers from other top-level forms of racing? Roman Grosjean came over from Formula One and nearly won Rookie of the Year. Jimmy Johnson was a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion who showed significant improvement from where he started in the season to where he finished. And Australia Supercar Series champion Scott McLaughlin of New Zealand won the IndyCar Rookie of the Year title. Yeah, I think well, if you look back at last year, uh, twenty or this year, 2021, um, that was probably the most unique rookie class in the history of IndyCar, I would say. You know, with Jimmy Romain and, and Scott, um, all uh, incredible, fierce competitors, um, all, you know, obviously champions in many times over that type thing. So um, it was great to have them part of uh, the series this past season. And I think that falls into what we talked about a little bit ago about um, the younger drivers. Well, I mean, those three right there have a lot of knowledge and, and you know, that, that about how to act as a race car driver on and off the track and different things like that. So it was just, it was phenomenal to have them part of the series. It was, you know, fun to watch them progress as the season went on. Um, be exciting to see what they do next year. And again, like you mentioned, there's a whole nother rookie, uh, rookie crop coming up, you know, they could win races at any time. So it's just, it's, again, it's just an amazing time to be part of the series. You've had a lot of experience with Jimmy Johnson from your days as a NASCAR team owner and a NASCAR sponsor. What was it like to have a driver with that big of a following, that many fans, and that much success decide to switch gears and join IndyCar? Well, it was hugely flattering that, you know, that he wanted to do this in the first place, you know, just, you know, at the very beginning. We had talked for the last couple of years, you know, prior to him, you know, making this commitment. Um, and I know we talked to others too, but, we, you know, we, we always kept Jimmy uh, updated on where we were going, what we were doing, the status of the aero screen, you know, different things like that. So um, this has been something that he's been, you know, kind of dipping his toe and thinking about, you know, for some time. Um, obviously, then when he was able to put everything together and commit, you know, that type of thing to come, we were, you know, hugely excited about that. Uh, again, um, you just, again, he's a champion, right? I mean, I think Chip mentioned that, you know, to have a, you know, you bring a champion into your organization, it, it rubs off on others. So, um, you know, I, I just think his approach and the way he does things, there's, you know, lots of things that, you know, other drivers can learn from that. And again, it was fun to watch him get better every week. And, um, you know, there's nobody that works harder than he is or is more motivated or driven. And uh, you can see why he's a seven-time champion. Jimmy Johnson is seriously considering running in the Indianapolis 500 in 2020. Do you think that when he gets on an oval, we will see more of the real Jimmy Johnson, the driver that won 83 NASCAR Cup Series races and seven championships? Well, uh, in my opinion, I mean, it certainly is bread and butter, right? So um, I think he'll have an amazing amount of fun, you know, running an Indy car on an oval. And I think, um, you know, I think he's already got a, a taste of that with his test at Texas and um, his ROP that he did at the Speedway. So, you know, it's going to be, again, fun to watch. Um, I'm sure he's going to do great. You know, he's, again, this is his, his bread and butter. And I'm sure, um, I mean, nothing he does will surprise us. I'm sure he'll be great. When you look at the metrics from 2021, TV ratings improved and attendance was up. How do you assess the upward trend that IndyCar appears to be on? Well, um, again, I think there's just many, you know, things that are coming into play. 
Um, you know, you, you think about when, you, when we talked about the entries and expanding, well, a lot, a lot of that, there's other things that come with that, right? It, it's, you know, the Carvanas or the world, people like that are coming in the sport, which is huge. You know, they activate on, on track, at track, you know, in the media, that type of thing. So it's, it's, it's just everything is kind of coming together. I mean, we still have, you know, lots of work to do and we'll continue to, um, you know, create this path and this plan and, and continue to do what we've been doing and, and, you know, come up with as many new things as we can to, to enhance the overall product. Um, but I think it's just kind of a, you know, there's a point that it's all coming together. The, you know, we mentioned the three rookies, the mo- most unique rookies we probably ever had last year. You know, that I'm sure was part of um, what's going on now too. But again, why did they want to come here in the first place? So, you know, that just shows, you know, that things are going well. And again, we just got to keep after it and we're just excited about the future. How much pride do you feel in seeing a long-time American organization such as the American Legion get involved in IndyCar? The American Legion is based in Indianapolis. The Indianapolis 500 is right down the street at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and it's held on Memorial Day weekend when we honor our military service veterans. How cool is it to see them involved in IndyCar, especially with its program at Chip Ganassi Racing with Jimmy Johnson? Well, obviously, like I mentioned, you know, with the car counts and new people coming in, they obviously were one of them. Um, a huge honor for us to have them participate. You know, if you remember, and we in uh, my NASCAR days had the U.S. Army as a sponsor. I mean, just it was amazing. You're not just—it's not a brand. You're representing an institution. You know, freedom isn't free, and you know, it's just we're very proud to have them at the events. Um, we're proud, you know, to be part of that. And, we just hope they're around for years to come. This year, you are adding Indy Lights to the IndyCar series. Owner Roger Penske has reclaimed Indy Lights from Anderson Promotions after Anderson Promotions did a fine job of taking care of Indy Lights for a few years. Now it's being taken back over by IndyCar. What are some of the things IndyCar will be involved in with Levi Jones in charge of the Indy Lights series? How important is it to have it involved in one group? Well, we're excited to you know bring it back in house. Like you mentioned, Dan did a great job. Um, excited to have Levi part of the program or managing that program. Um, we're just going to try to do as much as we can to make it as close as we can to IndyCar. So when drivers come out of that series, which the you know that's been hugely successful, um, but we want to make it even more IndyCar like. So um, from the on track times that we run, the envelopes of time that we run. Um, to the inspection process, to tack to our rules, to, um, you know, the push to pass, to all kinds of different things that we're trying to make it as much like IndyCar as we possibly can um, is what we're currently working on. And, you know, there'll be a lot of things that come out of that, you know, first part of next year about, you know, some of the differences and some of the changes we're going to make. We won't be doing them all in 2022 um, just because, Obviously, we, we did this late this season or this year, so there'll be many different things. I think going into there'll be more things in 23 that are different than probably in 22. But we're working through um, all that now. Again, um, you know the, the tech pads will be close. They'll be paddocks. Both groups will be paddocked next to each other where we can. Um, so it's, it's you know we're excited to have them back. What are some of the incentives you have? to encourage IndyCar series teams to field Indy lights teams to help grow that series. Well, they, you know, there is now with, with testing. Um, obviously I think if you look at the history or the success of the series, 
I think, you know, IndyCar teams have paid attention to that. And there's even more of that when you mentioned the younger drivers that we've got coming up this year and even the last couple of years. Um, you know, a lot of them have come from there. So it's obviously a um, series that produces talent to the pipeline and not, you know, it appears, and, and a lot of the younger drivers are saying this now when they're, that the Indy Lights cars um, really help them and emulate an Indy car, right? So it's working. Um, there's some really good race car drivers that have come up through Indy Lights. So if you're an Indy car team, um, a lot of them want to have the control, control of their own destiny type thing. So you have your own team and you bring up your own drivers. So uh, again, we'll see, you know, I don't think there'll be a huge amount of changes in 22, but maybe by you know, 23, 24, uh, more Indy car teams will start participating. There was a huge crowd that showed up at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas for the United States Grand Prix Formula One race. A lot of people credit that to the Netflix series Drive to Survive. There has been discussion to have a similar show with IndyCar. There's an old saying, rising tides lift all boats. Do you see where the more popular Formula One becomes in the United States that it in turn helps IndyCar? Well, I think, you know, motorsports in general, um, I think over the last um, five, six, seven years, we collectively have worked together more than we probably ever have. And I think we all have a great understanding that um, we're kind of all in this together in a lot of ways, right? There's more things that are similar than are different. And the industry as a whole needs to, to, you know, stick together. So a lot of that was going through COVID, you know, how we all operated and how we all shared information and how we all, you know, with schedules and different things, not to, you know, to do everything we could not to step on each other. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big believer that, that, you know, as the motorsports in general, the better that we all, you know, the better that one does, the better we will all do. Um, the Coda event looked, you know, like you mentioned, it looked like a phenomenal event. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go this year. Um, the Netflix piece, I'm sure is a part of that, but I'm sure that's not the only part of it, right? There's a whole formula and of things that they've done to get to this point. And, you know, um, it's something, again, we've publicly talked about looking at it. We are, I think, it seems much simpler than it maybe is. You know, there's a lot of things that have to come into play to get that done. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to share something on that, you know, sometime soon. You were a Red Bull team owner in NASCAR and Red Bull is fighting it out for the Formula One World Championship. How well did you get to know Red Bull principal Christian Horner? Also, Red Bull Technologies helped design the IndyCar aero screen. How important is that relationship that you've been able to forge with Red Bull? Right. Well, that's, you know, obviously Christian's a really good friend. Jonathan Wheatley's a great friend. Um, the sporting director, you know, Dr. Marco, Mr. Mattishitz, you know, they're all, they're all friends. And that relationship that had continued, you know, since the Red Bull NASCAR days. And, you know, we were uh, fortunate enough to call them a couple of years ago and say, we, you know, we need some help on this, our, our aero screen at the time, right? How can we do it? You guys have tried to do it and we like your application. How can we work together? And um, it was, I don't know, maybe two or three hours after the initial call, they called back and said, you know, we're in, we're glad to help. So, um, you know, great, again, great group, great people. Um, you know, it was an amazing time back when I was with them, you know, with an, on the NASCAR program. So, um, you know, they're, and they're obviously, kicking it this year. They're doing great. 
Two weeks ago, we saw Kyle Larson win the NASCAR Cup Series Championship. Here's a guy that can drive anything anywhere and has a huge following of grassroots dirt track race fans. What do you think of what he was able to do to win 10 races and the championship in NASCAR? There are a lot of people that would love to see him compete in the Indianapolis 500 one day. Well, if you look you know, back through the history of NASCAR, I mean, how many drivers have won 10 races in a year? You know, that's, you know, like you said, that's amazing. He's an amazing talent. He's an amazing kid. Um, what do we want? You know, what do we welcome in, in Indianapolis 500? Of course. I mean, absolutely. That'd be great. Um, again, it's just like, you know, everything. Um, you know, there's timing. There's all kinds of things behind the scenes that, you know, have to happen, have to line up. Um, you know, but, you know, you know, obviously, who knows? And uh, we certainly would love to have him. When you joined IndyCar in 2013, the state of the series was pretty bleak. Senior management was changing every 24 months. With the arrival of Mark Miles and you taking over, especially when you took over as IndyCar president at the end of 2015, things have stabilized, the foundation has been solidified, and IndyCar is on an upward trend. How do you compare the state of IndyCar today to where it was when you started? Well, um, again, I, I, it's been a, a, a great paddock wide effort. And, and when we first started this role, um, we talked about harnessing the, 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 you know, the power of the paddock. And, and, that, and there's so many smart people in this sport and in our, in our paddock. And, um, you know, again, that's when we started coming up with the cadence of the meetings that we have. We started coming up with the, you know, the five-year plan. And, you know, everybody had input. The manufacturers had input. Um, we had a, a template, you know, I, you know, if you look at businesses out throughout the world, everybody, you have a plan, you have a five-year plan, you know, where you're going, you know, what you're doing. Obviously there's times when you have to deviate a little bit because of whatever, you know, and you do, but we've been able to, you know, stick to our plan. And um, again, the, the teams know where we're going and know what, what we're doing and they're part of it. We had a team manager meeting, you know, like a couple weeks ago and, you know, there was a, you know, 30, pages of things that we went through and, and, you know, I, I would bet 80% of it was, you know, a consensus on everything. 20% there was differences of opinion. Um, but the differences of opinion, everybody knows what everybody's thinking and what, what we're doing and where we're going. So that's okay. And, um, you know, again, part of the, the, the meetings that we have, you know, probably 40% of it is for things for the following season and 60% of it is for things down the road. So, Again, that's how we've, you know, we've got a cadence to how we're doing things. The last couple of years, it's funny, we started having, you know, team manager calls every week, you know, just because of not, you know, knowing where we're going, what we're doing necessarily with the COVID piece, um, you know, just making sure everybody was lined up with the COVID protocols, that type of thing. So, you know, we just, we try to over communicate. And um, again, it's a, just, it's a great paddock with great people. And, you know, we're just off, you know, we're just following our plan. Will there be any procedural changes in 2022? A lot of teams and drivers want more practice time on race weekends. Well, that's something uh, that from the team manager call that we're working through. Um, I, I think if you look at practice time, um, I think we've got a pretty good formula. You know, we had 19 and what we did in 20 and what we did in 21 and, you know, we're going to do 22. Um, I think the end of the season, in 21 will look a lot like what's going to happen in 22 where we practice Friday afternoon, practice and qualify on Saturday, warm up on Sunday and race. So it's, it's, it's basically that. So, um, you know, we have always practiced and qualified the last couple of years. So we, you know, again, 
you can have, you know, you can never have too much, right? You always want more. But I think we've come up with a, a nice kind of a sweet spot for the weekend schedule um, from a promoter partner standpoint to the team standpoint to having enough practice. Um, just, you know, we got to come up with a balance. Even during the COVID pandemic in 2020, you still had practice and qualifying for all of your races. NASCAR often scrapped both practice and qualifying and went straight into the race. How important was it for IndyCar to keep a practice, qualifying, and race schedule every race weekend? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what we want to mention earlier about having the team manager calls. Um, yeah, we had to map it out sometimes, you know, two weeks in advance, sometimes a week in advance. You know, you know, if you could get two or three weeks in advance, that was great. But, you know, things were changing hourly, daily, that type of thing back then. So we were, you know, Again, great paddock. Couldn't be more proud of you know, our people's efforts, our entire paddock's effort, team's efforts, drivers. Um, you know, when we were going through all that, and that we were able to practice and qualify, and, you know, and, and what we thought put on a great show. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's amazing what you learned, you know, from all this about what you can and can't do, what you thought before wasn't possible, but could be possible. Um, so. You know, there's many, many, many different ways we can do things. We learned how to do things differently and um, in some ways, and uh, you know, some of it will apply to the future. It's also amazing to see how far IndyCar has come since you joined the series way back in 2013. IndyCar president Jay Fry, congratulations on another great season in 2021, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Thanks. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank IndyCar President Jay Fry for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. Pit Pass Indy continues to race forward in the offseason with more in-depth interviews featuring the biggest names in the NTT IndyCar series. So please be sure to continue to tune in to Pit Pass Indy. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall. Evergreen.